tried recording this a few days ago, I think Saturday morning maybe, but the energy was just all off. I was so uninterested. I was so, I don't know. Sometimes it happens. I record things and I'm just not feeling it. So I stop, turn it off, wait a few days and, and start again. And in this case, I'm glad I did. I was recording an episode concerning the so-called Chinese spy balloon incident. <laughs> 2023 Chinese spy balloon incident, as Wikipedia uh, names it. And in order to prepare for it, I had watched a couple of movies. I had watched The Red Balloon, which is a 1956 French film by Albert Lamoris, in which a young child, Pascal, happens to find a red helium balloon and eventually realizes that it is sentient. Anyway, it's a nearly silent film. The only person, I think, who speaks at all for most of the film is Pascal, and he doesn't say very much. I mean, like, what do you say to a balloon? Well, he does say a few things to the balloon. He says, like, wait for me here, or don't go away. And anyway, it's kind of like, it's a fun, cute fantasy about a sentient balloon. Uh, the bullies in town, they get really jealous of Pascal's relationship with this inanimate object. And um, as anybody who has suffered intense um, enviousness knows the only way to resolve it is by destroying the other kid's toy. So that's what they do. That's and anyway, I I, I just I should have said uh, anyway. I, I gave the plot away there, but uh, it, it has a happy ending uh, despite the death of the red balloon. Wait, well, you know. <laughs> And here was the <laughs> and that was the link for me uh, <laughs> to the spy balloon incident. You know, it's like this needless wanton destruction by over, you know, using overwhelming force. <laughs> Poor Pascal left crying as the bullies stomp his balloon. Uh, anyway. Like I said, it has a happy ending. It's only about 35 minutes. You can find it on YouTube if you want to watch it. Maybe I'll post a link. Uh, I'll post a link to it uh, <laughs> on the episode notes. The other movie I watched, um, <laughs> which is a lot more humorous, um, it's called Red Dawn. And I had heard of this movie many times. I had seen clips of it. Uh, it's a 1984 film, American movie, action drama, starring Patrick Swayze and a very young Charlie Sheen. It's uh, John Milius. Milius is the director. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you you might have guessed from from the title. Red Dawn is the story of. Um, this small town in Colorado, Cam Camulet, I believe it's called, and they wake up one morning 
and kids are in high school in class and they look out the window and all these paratroopers are falling from the sky all these dudes parachuting the invasion is coming from the skies they're parachuting into this small town in Colorado and <laughs> the teacher I can't remember what the topic is that he was teaching at the time but anyway he goes out to ask the paratroopers what's going on and they kill him on the spot uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> America the, the premise of the, of the of the movie is that America is being invaded by Russia Nicaragua and Cuba the <laughs> Um, there, there's a few slides that appear at the, at the start of the movie. It's, it, the movie is so bad. I couldn't finish watching it. It's so bad. Even the American military propaganda machine pulled out from supporting the project. Anyway, the, the, the outlying premise that you get five or six text slides as an introduction, which is a much better way of doing it at sometimes than to like than to filming all this action. And it's also a low budget way of doing it. And that's why <laughs> that's why low budget films like Star Wars uh, use this method for starting uh, their films. Anyway, um, you get a few slides. The first one would tell you that there's famine. There's a there, there's a, there's been a crop failure in Ukraine, uh, in the USSR. It's 1984, right? So it's the USSR. Um, and there's been an intense crop failure not seen, the likes of which have not been seen in 55 years. So it's bad. Famine is bad. And, and it's curious, because they never talk about famine, I, as far as I can tell, I didn't watch the whole film, they never talk about famine again at any point. Yet famine is at the very start. It's the very first slide. And then we get that the <laughs> Nicaragua and Cuba, the regimes in Nicaragua and Cuba, have finally amassed enough soldiers, half a million to be, to be exact, to topple Honduras and El Salvador. They've completely conquered these two tiny, two tiny Central American nations have conquered two other tiny, relatively Central American nations. Mexico is in disarray. It's going through a revolution. It seems like the socialists are trying to take over. In Europe, Germany has elected the Green Party, West Germany to be exact, because it's 1984, so there's still a divided Germany. They <laughs> the Greens are in power, and they've decided that they want no nuclear weapons in Europe. They are villains for not wanting nuclear weapons <laughs> in Europe which leads to the dissolution of NATO which leads to the expansionism of the USSR and that's where we find ourselves in this story Camulet 1984 Patrick Swayze and his little brother Charlie Sheen um, Charlie Sheen is in high school. I think Patrick Swayze is already out of high school. He's like the loser brother with a truck. 
that likes to go hunting, but doesn't seem to have like a job, whatever. Uh, and Charlie Sheen and his buddies are the players on the football team. Because of course, who else would be the heroes? <laughs> if not, if not the f fucking football team. <laughs> There's a lot happening in the movie, a lot to unpack. The invasion happens, and it's a triple threat invasion. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, it's not explained. Why Camulet, small town Camulet, Colorado, which in reality, I checked on Wikipedia, it's a ghost town. But in the movie, it's presented as this custom bustling little town with like many stores and a big enough high school that has a football team. They, <laughs> for some reason, the Nicaraguans, the Cubans, and the Soviets all concentrate in this little town, strategically important somehow, and shit happens. Uh, <laughs> One thing I did like about the movie is that there were no subtitles provided when the Soviets were speaking to each other or when the Latinos were speaking to each other. So if you do not speak Spanish or Russian, um, then you would be missing that part of the conversation. It's interesting. Anyway, I feel like it's a stylistic choice. Um, maybe it was made more often back then than it would be now. I feel like films would, would be more hesitant about not letting their audience in. But anyway, but, but, <laughs> But that, that's, that is a really, really minor concern in relationship to all the other fuckery that is going on in Red Dawn. What, what a fantastic leap of the imagination this film is. Not worth watching at all. <laughs> but, but, but it all comes, anyway, all that just to come back, to come back to the Chinese spy balloon incident and you know what just just to just to start off with I, I should say my piece on this I I suspect that it's not really a spy balloon I suspect that it might be a weather balloon as the Chinese have claimed and like the reason why I'm saying this is that the balloon, bright white balloon, the size, we were told, of three school buses, easily spotted with the naked eye. I mean, like, this is what happened. Many people spotted it. Even at 60,000 feet, which is how high it was flying, I don't know what that is. In kilometers let me check that would be about 18 kilometers up in the sky even at that height a person could still spot it with their naked eye I mean that that's <laughs> if it was me putting together a spy balloon of this sort I would have painted it 
sky blue. But that's just me. I don't know anything about spying, really. <laughs> the story got better, of course. The story always gets better. Any story where there's a lot of fear involved gets better as it gets... <laughs> As it, gets, as it gets bolder. Uh, so, as far as I can remember... Well, let's not go before my memory. Let, let, I'm going to read from Wikipedia here. I'm going to look at Wikipedia and tell you what it says. That it, it was first spotted on January 28th. And it was shot down on February 4th, 20, year of our Lord, 2023. The Air Force shut it down with an F... 22 fighter jet. Um, <laughs> then, um, I <laughs> on February 10th, over northern Alaska, uh, they shot down another F 22 fighter jet. Some a member of NORAD, I'm sure. Um, Wait, NORAD comes in later. Anyway, <laughs> the, February 10th, northern Alaska, they shoot down another object, an unidentified flying object, a UFO. Uh, perhaps, maybe, some people are speculating that it might have been a National Weather Service balloon. This one was only about the size of a small car. Uh, again, but they shot it down. They shot it down. And then just a day later, February 11th, Canada, <laughs> unable to stay out of the fray. That first balloon flew over Canada. It flew over Alaska, then flew over the Yukon, I think, making its way through Alberta, if I remember correctly, and before eventually entering Montana. Uh, yes. I think it spent a lot of time in BC, actually, not so much time in Alberta. Anyway, um, Canada can't stay out of the fray. We are here to protect North America and solidarity as well. So Justin Trudeau, as he does so many times, as Canadians, Canadian government will do so many times, just bows down to the Americans and says, yes, 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 invade our sovereign space, whatever the fuck, <laughs> whatever the fuck you need to do, shoot down that balloon over Canada. So another F-22 flies out, February 12th, shoots down another suspected um, Chinese invasion instrument, whatever, and then, <laughs> that same night, basically, perhaps, and, and spilling on to the next day, February 12th, the United States takes action against, yes, yet, yet another balloon. This one, octog octagonal in shape, we were told, shot down over Lake Huron. Uh, I just noticed, I just realized that the they, they made two attempts to shoot it down. The first one, they missed completely. So there was like a free missile going around. Apparently it landed safely in the water. Anyway, and then, and then the kicker 
today. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Canada doing everything it can to help the Americans. We saw how well that went with the whole Huawei incident. Um, anyway, another, another. <laughs> today, 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 uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, the White House had a little briefing. Um, this is according to the Guardian. I, I'm, I only picked the Guardian to get it from because you know, that's where I, that's, I saw it on Twitter, and that was the article that linked to um, John Kirby, National Security Council spokesperson, told reporters that we, and I, the, here's the quote, we haven't seen any indication or anything that points specifically to the idea that these three objects were part of the People's Republic of China's spying program, or that they were definitely involved in external intelligence collection efforts. He says that they suspect they were benign. Finally, finally, an admission that maybe this whole balloon saga has been overinflated. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's 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 been a crazy time. It's been a crazy time. Back on the 24th of March, 1992, 35 countries ratified the Treaty on Open Skies. Now, what this treaty said is that all these nations would allow each other to conduct unarmed surveillance of each other in an order in order to to build trust in some ways the idea this is here and I, i'm quoting directly from from wikipedia again wikipedia is a shit show like don't rely <laughs> no no that if it, if a topic is hot in any way it is as unreliable as anything else. <laughs> if a topic topic is a little bit older, a little bit less uh, contentious, you can more or less trust it. Uh, and it says here, the idea of allowing countries to openly surveil each other is thought to prevent misunderstandings and limit the escalations of tensions. It also provides mutual accountability for countries to follow through on treaty promises. So that was the, that's part of the idea. And the 32 parties of the Open Skies Treaties include many um, European countries, in, uh, Canada, uh, let's see, the United Kingdom, Kyrgyzstan. Oh, the United States is not on this list. Oh, huh. anyway. It's a sort of agreement that <laughs> that that we don't really kind of hear much about anymore. I feel like so much of what we get is just fear mongering and the this this red 
I, I, I keep trying to call it the red balloon, but it's the Chinese, uh, the red balloon, because I, I keep thinking of red scare, the red menace, this red panic uh, that seems to have come over the so much of news media, despite the fact that there is no real, well, there is no Soviet Russia anymore. There's no Soviet threats. And China, Chinese communism is a very different beast. I, there has been no military confrontation with China in the same way that, you know, like World War II really set up these two competing powers who had just amassed a large amount of weapons, right? There's no similar incident with the rise of China as an economic superpower in the world. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, where was I going with this? I was thinking this whole Chinese balloon spy incident, this whole fear-mongering, reminded me of an article written by Walter Kern, an author. He wrote, he posted this on his Substack, walterkern.substack.com. I'll post a link to it so you can read the whole thing. And the article is called The Bullshit. And I'm just going to quote one paragraph from it. Quote, Every morning, there it is, waiting for me on my phone the bullshit. It resembles in its use of phrases such as knowledgeable sources and experts differ what I used to think of as the news. But it isn't the news and it hasn't been for ages. It consists of its decomposed remains in a news-shaped coffin. It does impart information, strictly speaking, but not always information about our world or not good information, because it's so often wrong, particularly on matters of great import, and invariably to the advantage of the same interests, which suggest it should be presumed wrong as a rule. The information it imparts, if one bothers to sift through it, is information about itself, about the purpose, beliefs, and loyalties of those who produce it, the informing class. They're not the ruling class, not quite but often they're married to it or share therapist or drink with it at Yale ball football games. They're cozy, these tribal cousins. They cavort. They always have. What has changed is that the press used to maintain certain boundaries in the relationship observing the incest taboo. It kept its pants zipped, at least in public. It didn't hire ex-CIA directors, top FBI men, NSA brass, or other past and future sources to sit beside its anchors at spot-lit news desks that blocked our view of their lower extremities. But it gave in. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> it's a very good article. It's a little... Anyway, he's a writer, so he overwrites a little bit. But... <laughs> uh, I've been listening to Walter Kern. He's joined up with Matt Taibbi to do a weekly podcast called America This Week. It's funny. They, they seem to like each other quite a bit. Uh, they're both kind of grumpy old men. 
Um, yeah, it's a fun listen. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I think <laughs> I think that's that's all. That, that, that's all I'm gonna give you today. I think <laughs> that's all I have energy for. I have been watching a lot of zombie movies. Zombie. I I don't really pay attention to the news that much anymore. I feel like I just. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I just consume kind of like the background noise off the news that as that that Twitter gives me. Uh, so it's funny to be following a story like this uh, spy balloon saga so closely. And you know, I have to like look through Wikipedia. I have to read read articles in order to prepare to to talk about it for a little bit because uh, again, I'm you know I'm only kind of like in and out of the news cycle. It just seems so ludicrous at times. Um, what passes as news. I feel like so much of what we get, so m- <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, that the fact that you could spot this uh, balloon 18 kilometers away with the naked eye should be a dead giveaway that may not have been, you know, raise some suspicions at least, that it might not be as nefarious as our governments are claiming it is, the other kind of hint uh, is that <laughs> this balloon has no guidance, guidance system, really. You, you can't really maneuver it. You can't really direct it exactly where you want it to go. So not, necess- not really the most useful spy tool if you can't really point it precise- precisely. <laughs> Maybe if you're just interested in general spying, as opposed to any specific spying. The Chinese also have spy satellites up in the sky. (laughs) Which can be directed. Uh, (laughs) Which is also another reason to consider this whole spy a balloon thing suspicious it's like wait don't they have a better tool for this why would they be using uh they'll be using the balloon because nobody suspects a balloon (laughs) (sighs) there's so much happening in the world and yet our attention is drawn to this bullshit things that are going on and (laughs) Somebody on Twitter was doing a cost analysis of like how much money it takes to shoot one of these things down. I mean, a fighter jet, uh, an F-22, I think it's like over a million dollars, maybe two million dollars for one of these aircraft, plus all the maintenance required for it. And the missile, that's $400,000 for the missile itself to shoot down a stinking balloon. <sighs> of course, like this last week, the uh, the other big news story that has rightfully one story that has rightfully dominated the news cycle is the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, which last I heard confirm the death toll. It was around 36,000 people and expected to climb much higher. 
and yet, and yet, you know, we're, we've got shit like this going on, humanitarian disasters, and we're being duped into worrying about weather balloons. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's fatiguing. It's funny, but it's fatiguing. It's, it's a crazy, ah, uh, fuckery. Goes all around. Anyway, I'm gonna keep, uh, maybe, maybe on the next episode, uh, I'll do it about the zombie, the dumbass zombie movies and shows I've been watching. It's all so bad. Most of it is pretty bad. Some of it's okay. Uh, I've also been tempted to do like a whole episode on, on the very interesting story about the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines getting blown up and Seymour Hersh's recent bombshell article claiming to have insider knowledge that it was the Americans that blew it up and had been planning to do so for a long time, which is the, the, the most sensible, if you're paying attention to things, it's a very, very reasonable explanation for what went down. But anyway, okay, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there for real. Uh, that's enough for today. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.